Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star as we continue this study through the book of James. And probably of all the weeks, this is the one that you're gonna have to probably wrestle with the most. And it's gonna settle in on you. I know it did for me. And it was one of those weeks I really wish I could have pawned it off on somebody else, but it didn't work out like that. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take your Bibles, turn to the book of James. James chapter three is where we're gonna camp out. James chapter three, if you were given your sermon note sheet on the way in, you can take notes on there, you can scan that QR code, or you can just go directly to our app, North Star Church Georgia and the App Store, and it is by far the easiest way to follow along and fill in because today is about how we use our words. Today is about not how we use our words at church, it's how we use our words Monday to Saturday. How many of y'all would go, I struggle more Monday to Saturday than I do when I'm here at North Star? All right, raise your hand. All right, here we go. So we're all, we're all equal. And I will tell you this, nobody here, based on what James tells us, nobody here has figured it all out, right? We use words. We use words for our jobs. We use for words for relationships. We use words to parent. Words are something we use. They say that the average adult will use over 7,000 words a day. The average adult. How many of you would go, I'm living with somebody above average? All right, raise your hand. There we go. So now you can tell them, not they talk a lot. You're above average, all right? Because I use a lot of words. I use a lot of words. And so, and just nods. I'm like, do you remember what I said? And she's like, no, all right? And so, and I use a lot of words. Would y'all stand with me in honor of reading God's word together? James chapter three. If you're up in True North and the chapel, we're so glad you're in right now watching in the theater and all of you watching online, we're so glad you are here because James, the brother of Jesus, just unpacks it. You remember chapter one, he talked about how we handle our trials. Chapter two, he talked about how we live out our faith in this world and we did the whole faith and works thing. It was really interesting how all that broke apart. But chapter three, he turns and zeroes in on how we talk. So these believers, they're, they're new to the faith, they're new in their walk with the Lord, and James is like, all right, you guys need to know how you speak determines a lot of how we are seen and how you have influence. Here we go, James chapter three. We're just gonna read two verses. Verse one, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. All right, time out real quick. So James is basically saying, if you are a teacher in the church, you are gonna be held to a higher standard. It's basically what James is gonna go on and say here. So for all of you in here, I have this strange feeling when we all get to heaven, it's like, welcome home, glad you're here, pastor's this way, all right? Basically, we're held, we're, we're held to a different standard and I have a feeling we're gonna get over there and find out all the things we screwed up. And so, but, but James is going be glad. Now listen to what he goes on to say. Not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly, meaning we'll be held to a higher standard. Verse two, indeed, we all make many, what's the next word? We all do. It's universal. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how long you have been around this game 
we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be, what's the next word? Perfect. And nobody here is perfect. Nobody's perfect in their relationships. Nobody's perfect in their friendships. Nobody's perfect in how they work. We're all a work in progress. There was one perfect man who lived named Jesus, and he was able to control his mouth. He used words at the right time in the right place, and everybody else before him, everybody else after him has been a work in progress. Listen to what he goes on to say. If we could control our tongues, we'd be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Here's what James is saying. If we can get this right, we can get our lives right. If we can get this right, we can get our relationships right. If I can get this right, I could change the influence I have while I live on this earth. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Would you pray with me? So wherever you're standing, whatever venue you're in right now, would you just ask the Lord to give you a mirror to look at you? Would you? And then tell the Lord when you see, you'll change. Would you? Father, speak to us. We welcome you here. God, I don't, I don't think anybody got out to be here or tuned in from wherever they're at because they wanted to be the same. I think everybody knows we need something and what we need only comes from you. And so God, today we ask for it, for you to speak to us right where we are. And God, bless this time. And God, I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you are seated, turn around, find somebody around you and say, go Diamondbacks. All right, here we go real quick. Do that real quick in the crowd. (laughs) Rough week to be a Braves fan. Rough week. Rough week. Last Sunday, I said something rude about the Phillies at the end of the service, and I forgot on Monday in my Coach's Scouts Bible study, I have three guys that live in Philadelphia. And so Monday, when I got on, they're like, dude, we didn't appreciate what you said about the Phillies. I'm like, sorry about that. All right, and so the power of words, right? Of all the weeks, this is the one I've dreaded the most because I've always struggled with how I use words. If you use a lot of words, this is a struggle for you because they come out when you didn't mean for them to. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So my mother used to call it, you're the king of the last word. You've always gotta, it's like I was obedient in her presence, but the minute I would turn my back, I always would murmur. Did any of y'all ever do this? I would murmur something. The Lord heard it. And she heard it, all right? And so, the king. I was always the king of the last word. And I'm, I'm great dealing like this. But boy, when the pressure gets up, and so I, I want you to know, and so this is a confession time. There's a certain type of people I've always struggled with the most. And, and it's just, I, I don't mean to be partial. I don't mean to pick on them, but it's umpires. I will be honest with you. I struggle with umpires. I do. 
I've struggled, I've had my struggles with blues. I've had my struggles. And so we, uh, and, and it, it's not, I don't ever curse at them or anything. I, I strongly want to help them see things the way that I do. You know what I'm talking about? Like I am trying to help them out a little bit. My view from the dugout is way better than the one they've got right in front of them. It's the craziest thing, all right? So this goes on for years. Ann and I, we could name our top 10 conflicts and nine of them are centered around baseball, all right? And something I said to Casey, something that I said to an umpire, and I like it, I said I've never, typically don't really yell, I just, I'm loud, all right? And so, uh, so anyways, so telling y'all too much. But a few years ago, we went on this kick and Casey's like, I, I had gone like three games, I hadn't said a word. I mean, I hadn't said a word from the dugout. And Casey's like, Pops. So Casey's quiet, he measures all his, it makes me sick, actually. When your son is holding you accountable, it's a really sad thing. And so he's like, Pops, you're doing really good, man. I'm really proud of you. He said, I tell you what, every time you don't yell at an umpire, you get to keep your coin. This is your coin. You get to keep the coin. So every time you don't yell in a game, and dude, we were on a winning streak, we were rolling. We were rolling. We going in, blistering through the playoffs, sweeping each round, and life is good. I haven't said a word. I mean, I've been quiet. I did my job. I called the pitches and did my thing. But then we were in Conyers one night, and I've got some witnesses that are in the back of the room to this that madness that happened. But anyways, so we're in Conyers one night, and the game is that we lose game one, bang, bang, play to end the game, lose the game. This is an elite eight to move on in the playoffs. And so it's game two now, and it's not going well. And the, the guy behind the dish, just to be honest with you, he was struggling. I mean, he was struggling. And I encouraged him a couple times during the game about just helping him out. That was, it was right there, right? And so the plate's on wheels, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so, anyways, so it gets to the end of the game, and he rings one of our kids up. He, I mean, he ring, and he's very emphatic about ringing this kid up. And the kid, our kid, turns around, and he was trying to help him with directions on where he should go and all these kind of things. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so, anyways, this kid, and the ump goes, man, you're out of here. And I go flying, because this kid now, he's a senior, his career's over. He loses it. Well, I go grab the kid, and I am pulling him away and my struggle of always having the last word rears its ugly head, and I said to the umpire, that was brutal. That was exactly what I said. It was heard by everybody there but him. And so he said, excuse me? And I said, that was brutal. And he goes, you're out of here too. And I'm like, oh my God, I got thrown out of a game, all right? And so I don't know what to do with myself. And so we're the third base umpire I've known since I was a kid. He's like, dude, you just threw out a pastor, right? I mean, he's telling the guy. <laughs> Anyways, so we're, we're sitting there. The season ends. We lose the game. Me and this kid, it was the loneliest seat I've ever had. I'm sitting out behind the field, half of North Star's in the bleachers. I'm like, this is so embarrassing. And so we're sitting back there, and all I can think is I've got to come home and tell Ann what happened. And I'm gonna be in like time out for a long, long time. <laughs> so the game ends, everybody says their goodbyes. We get in the car and Casey and I are not speaking. I mean, there's nothing to talk about. 
We're riding down I-20, somewhere between Conyers and Atlanta. Casey puts his hand on my shoulder. He pats me and said, give me back the coin. All right, so, (laughs) true story. Not proud of it, but it's life, right? I struggle with my mouth. And James has something to say to me. Three things. Pen, pencil, something to write with. I want you to thumb in a couple answers today. So I'm telling you this as a fellow traveler, and I'm telling you this because I'm a work in progress, but I want y'all to know I made amends. There's a picture that's gonna pop up. There's a good friend of mine. He's an umpire. He's in the crowd right now. Conrad, would you stand up real quick? Would y'all welcome an umpire into our midst right now? This is a true story. So Conrad... Conrad didn't throw me out. He wasn't the actual one that did it, but I I said, come over here, get my picture. All right, and so anyways, Conrad was the best in the business. Three things today. Number one, my mouth directs where I go. This mouth plays a big piece in where my life ends up. Listen to what he said. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. So you could see a 12-year-old little girl on the back of a 2,000-pound horse, and she's got that bit in there. That little girl can control that whole big horse. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. So James says, know this, if you can get this right, Even against the most adverse circumstances, you can fix where you're headed. If you can control your mouth, I want you to write this down, you can control your life. And I'm telling you, I'm a work in progress. I'm 54, and I'm still having to do this every day. There's a verse out of the Psalms that I pray And it's, Lord, put a door on my lips because one wrong word said at the wrong time can change everything. One right word said at the right time can change everything. This tongue that we have, James talks a lot about it, it's talked about all throughout scripture, is one of the smallest parts of our body but yet controls so much. These have started wars. These have started healing. My mouth directs where I go. I wrote down in my notes, steering wheel. So if you've ever taught a child to drive, right, which is a test of your faith, all right, you're teaching your child to drive. The steering wheel is everything. And I remember when I was teaching Uh, Mary Michael Moore and taught Casey because he learned so quickly. And so I had to teach Mary Michael and she's an outward learner like I am. And so every time I would go, okay, Mary Michael, and every time she would look at me, she would turn the steering wheel. My director would be like, no, 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 no. Because the steering wheel controls direction, right? Our words are like a steering wheel. They will control where we're headed. How we speak determines our direction And it determines others' directions. I've known plenty of people that have bad self-talk that destroy their own lives about how they speak to themselves, not just others, 
And I'm not, this isn't pop psychology. Scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I've, I've talked to plenty of kids in athletics and professionals in athletics that struggle with their words directing their lives. But number two, not only does my mouth direct where I go, my mouth can destroy what I have. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, James says, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. There's burn laws, right, in the state of Georgia. You can burn between October and April, but you can't burn in the summer. Why? Because if one spark gets out and the ground's dry, you can take out a whole neighborhood. We've watched it out west. We watched hundreds of thousands of acres and they traced the fire back to a campfire and one spark got out of that fire and it caught some dry ground and ran. So were our words. And among all parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's whole world of wickedness. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. This is a powerful verse. For it's set on fire by hell itself. Hello. See, I believe scripture teaches you can't lose your salvation. You can't work your way into heaven, you can't work your way out of heaven. I believe that. But the enemy can take our mouths and do work with them of evil. So he goes on to say, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but nobody can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil and full of deadly poison. This has destroyed people, and this has built up people. The power of life and death are in the tongue. It's the craziest thing. Our words can be rocks that we throw or blocks that we build with. It's up to us. Husband, wife, how you speak to each other matters. Are you kind? Or are you critical? Now, Mike, does it, so do I don't ever say hard things? No, no, no. You still say hard things, but how you say them matters. Tone matters. Is my tone a rock or are my tone and words a block? Our kids now are 29 and 26, but I'll tell you this, when they were growing up, I worried about this because I know how I use words. And I didn't want my kids to get to high school and say, in college and say, check you later, pops, and head another direction because of how I spoke to them when y'all weren't around. Rocks and blocks. Proverbs says it this way. Thoughtless words or like a sword. Chris Boggess gave me the sword a couple years ago from a thing we did, and I couldn't remember what it was so in the first service I went. It had a really good meaning. 
And Chris is way smarter than I am. I'm just like, dude, it's a sword, all right? And so, but it's a sword that was used by the pharaohs back in the day. Sword is sharp, still sharp. This sword would hurt. Can you imagine if I just picked somebody in the crowd and went, hey, catch this real quick, all right? And so can y'all imagine that? It's called the MDJ and Fox 5, all right? And so it would not turn out real well. Why? Because it would cut. Guess what our words do? They cut. How many of y'all can remember something someone said to you over 10 years ago that cut you and you still remember it? Raise your hand. Some people never get over these words. They never get over what the coach said. In the heat of the battle, trying to win a game. Listen, I, listen, been there, done that, I get, I get it. But we forget this word is gonna cut. I could toss this to somebody and if you don't catch it just right, it's gonna cut you. And I could go, dude, I am so sorry. I apologize. I didn't mean to throw it that hard. I meant to send you the handle. My, my bad. And I could be sincere in my apology. Will their wounds still be real, yes or no? And sometimes our words heal. The right word at the right time can heal a soul. Proverbs tells us that. Are people glad to see us coming or glad to see us going? Probably depends on how you use your words. James looks at this early church and says, listen, if we're ever gonna have influence for Jesus, how we speak and how we live, that's what he talked about in chapter two, is gonna matter. Not just that we believe it, but do we live it? I want you to write this little phrase down. The Holy Spirit controls my tongue. It's the only way you're ever gonna bridle your tongue is when you give him your mouth. God, take my mouth and use it for good. Because the enemy would love to take your mouth, even as a Christian, and use it for evil. Well, Mike, I never say anything to people bad. Well, we put it on Facebook and Twitter or X, whatever that is now, threads, if that's gonna make it. Nobody ever criticizes people on LinkedIn, but they're trying to get jobs, all right? So they're not doing that. But on Facebook and Twitter, we'll write all kinds of junk. Instagram, people will say all kinds of stuff. You're like, dude, did you really just say that? Guess what? We're having an election next year. And I'll pick up Twitter or Facebook sometimes and go, man, I, I remember a couple years ago, I was doing a lot of work with the Falcons and there was a, a local pastor ripped. I'm not talking, oh, I can't believe we lost that game. Ripped personally guys on the Falcons. I didn't know the guy. 
I had no relationship with him. I sent him a direct message and I said, dude, they might go to your church. I don't know if I'd leave that up there. Because I sat with them on Saturday nights at chapel and guess what they all did? They all read what people said. And I knew who the pastor was and I knew all of them were way bigger than him. All right, and so... Hardest thing to teach a kid now is this never goes away. What you say never goes away. I have a good friend that's a scout for the 49ers that's probably watching right now. He travels for the Niners. Scouts, scouts um, colleges for the 49ers. And he has books on every guy he's looking at. They have every social media post they've ever put out to see if this guy can control his mouth or not. We wonder sometimes why we can't make a difference for Jesus. Well, hell's using our lives more than Jesus is. And listen, I'm not talking at you, I'm talking with you. Because I got strong opinions about everything. And most of them need to stay with me. Number three, my mouth ultimately displays who I am. If James didn't already have me on the ring ropes and he goes in for the final punch, listen, he says, sometimes our tongue, our mouth praises our Lord and Father. Man, we're here in worship. Thank you, Jesus. You're the best. It is well. I can't remember the songs we sang this morning. But anyway, so all the songs, y'all know what I'm talking about. I was singing, I was singing down there, I'm terrible. But sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. Isn't it crazy that this was going on back then? There are churches, people have left worship services and cussed at police officers on the way out of the parking lot. Not that would ever happen at North Star. So what he goes on to say. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, that is not, what's he say next? Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or grape, grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Our hearts display who we are. We bought our house back in 2018 and the house on one side of the yard has a fig tree. Never had a fig tree. We don't eat figs. The birds love them, all right? And so every spring the figs come up in summer, there's figs all over the place. I've watched that thing for five years now. It has yet to produce apples. It's the craziest deal. It, the fig tree produces what? What's it produce? Figs. Every year, right beside it's a blueberry bush. We planted those, love, love blueberries. Craziest deal, every year that old sucker produces blueberries, every year. Blueberry bush never produces figs. And the fig bush, they're right next to each other, never produces blueberries, why? Because what comes in, what it's meant for, is what comes out. Last little point today, I don't have a mouth problem, I have a heart problem. I don't know how many coaches I've met with through the years 
that go, man, I gotta, I gotta get control of my mouth. Our mouths ultimately tell our story. And I'm gonna be honest with you. Nan's sitting here. My best friend from college is sitting right there. Been a part of my journey since I was 19 or 20. I get the struggle. Quiet people who measure your words. I wish I was you. I'm the above average person in our house. Anne's quiet. She ain't got no time to use words with me around her. And so she's quiet, but she measures her words. I, I have to watch this. Why? Because I could get up here and preach all day and walk out of here and rip my family and destroy everybody around me while still feeling like I was doing good. Would you pray with me? Would you just sit on this for a second and let the Holy Spirit speak to you? I was flying back in yesterday morning from speaking Friday night. And you could have done a lot better today, I'll tell you that. Some of us, we just need to say, Holy Spirit, you have my heart, have my mouth. Bridle my mouth. I surrender it to you. I want my words to be blocks, not bricks. Be something people can build with. Not something they just take upside the head. I want my words to be healing not hurting. Father, I want this church to be a place that everybody who calls North Star home surrenders their mouth to you. Because as we go out into our community and we're on ball fields and in classrooms and in boardrooms and on sidewalks and neighborhoods, we're either pointing people towards you or pushing them away. Father, thanks for meeting with us today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Would y'all join me and let's thank the Lord for our time together this morning.